Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dopeness Dope. Welcome, all of our lovely listeners, to episode 183 of the Dope Nostalgia Podcast. My name is Naomi. I am your host. Our special guest today is another one in our series on Much Music. There is a documentary coming out about Much Music called 299 Queen Street West. It will be premiering all across Canada in the late summer, early fall. So go ahead and Google that or go to the website 299 queenstreetwest.com. Back to my guest today, one of the longtime old school VJs of Much Music. He's been there for many, many years. His name is Michael Williams. He hosted some of your favorite shows on Much Music, including Rap City, Soul in the City, Power Hour, and more. Here's a bit of background information on Michael Williams. Wikipedia Moments. Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist bio, that stuff is a real truth. Michael Williams is a Canadian television personality who may be best known for his work as a VJ at Much Music from 1984 to 1993. Born in Cleveland, Ohio, Williams moved to Montreal in the 1970s to attend the Communications Arts School at Loyola, now Concordia University. Williams was part of Much Music's core opening team of VJs alongside J.D. Roberts, Erica M., Christopher Ward, and Denise Donlin. At Much Music, Williams hosted various shows including Soul in the City, Rap City, Electric Circus, Pepsi Power Hour, and The New Music. He was recently a radio personality in Hamilton, Ontario as host of the program College of Musical Knowledge on Wave 94.7. Previous radio work included Montreal's CHOM-FM and CKGM-AM, and in Toronto at CHUM-FM. Williams also owns Black Rose Recording Studios in Toronto, and since January 2003, he has been teaching. Williams also works as an occasional fill-in host on News Talk 1010 in Toronto. Williams is also a regular on-air contributor to CTV News' entertainment segment, Noteworthy. It's an honor to have Michael Williams here at Dope Nostalgia today. Welcome to the show, Michael. This is the infamous Naomi. Where are you at, Naomi? I am in Edmonton, so not you that You are fun. in Ed, uh, what I used to know as Edmund Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> It's Way still back, accurate. I, I'm sure before you were born, I was there. We played the Riv Rock Room in Edmonton. And, oh, wow. Uh, with the pointed sticks. And we also played Dimwitty's Lounge at the University of Alberta. And we ripped that. We ripped it apart. It was just great. The pointed sticks uh, were... Um, are still an incredible Canadian band. They were the first band actually had that had the honor and distinction of being the first group that Bob Rock produced not only their singles on, but their very first album 
completely. And it was the first album that Bob Rock had ever completed that ever did. And of course the name Bob Rock is, yes. And the name Bob Rock is now infamous with the history of rock and roll and Metallica. And I got to work a little bit with him. I know him. I got to work a little bit with him because of the pointed sticks and Vancouver was the place that really, uh, I worked in Montreal, never Toronto, um toronto had an aversion to me i had a university education and i couldn't get a job in the stereo store (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but vancouver was the first place that i uh i got a a really a, a good paying job in the music industry at quintessence records which is now zulu and i'm just just on saturday i hosted the 11th annual catsalano festival in kitsilano on West 4th, and that was started by Grant McDonough, who bought Quintessence Records and turned it into Zulu. So there's a little line of history going through there, and I got to host one of the stages. And as per usual, the talent out here is outstanding, wonderful, and incredible. I didn't see a bad group. The audience was wonderful, 250,000 people in the whole day, just one day a year, and to be a part of that, like much music is not only an honor and a privilege, but uh, to be part of the music fabric, which much music is. And that's what the film 299 Queen Street is celebrating is that. And uh, when is it playing there in, in Edmonton? Do you know? It's playing in, I believe, November 8th or 9th. I'm buying tickets as we speak <laughs> in the okay. next hour. So, yeah, I'm going to bring some so- friends out and check it out. So what can I what can I help you with? What do you want to know? I'll tell you everything I can, but I will start off by telling you I haven't seen the film. There's a trailer which oh. I kind of looked at, but I have to tell you that I am so excited about going to see a film that going into a theater and seeing myself 10 or 20 feet tall and hearing me on I'm just really excited about that. So I don't want to see it. So when I sit down with the audience September 22nd in Toronto and almost every place else, it'll kind of be the first time or it'll feel like the first time. And to see what the audience thinks, uh, I'm really excited about that. And I'm really excited for Sean because uh, Sean Menard did a fabulous, he, he just did a fabulous job just in the dedication that he had to do this film because he had to convince me. I wasn't convinced in the beginning. I originally said no. I said no a few times, and then I met with him and his producer, and when he said that, you know, he was going to put up his house and he was really dedicated to doing this, and that yet when he showed me the the rock and roll dedication, as Thin Lizzy would say, dedication, you know, <laughs> when he showed me that rock and roll dedication, I went, oh, man, I got to go with that. You know, because that's the dedication that I had to every moment that you're going to see on the screen. Um, It was always music, music, music. And I was totally dedicated to everything. There was no BS. There was no, I can only speak for myself, but, you know, uh, me, the crew and everything that I did, man, there was a lot of love and dedication. And when he told me he only needed my voice to accompany the video I went, okay, because I'm I'm cool with everything I did. Everything I did at Much Music, I am so comfortable and cool with. And uh, so it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting thing, you know. I'm seeing Gemini Awards, Orders of Canada, all of that stuff, you know. And in Order of Canada, 
yeah, I want an order of Canada, not for my, for myself. Yes. And other things and stuff like that, that I've done. I'd love to have that. I'd be quite honored, but I think all, I would not take that without all of us getting the order of Canada and sharing it, because I think that's very important to show that solidarity in what, and love for what we did. And, um, and for what other people do now that they think they're doing, but it was all much music. You know, it was, we changed the face of music in this country and that enabled a lot of people from live nation to Drake, to uh, Debbie Cox, to, you know, a lot of artists that some of them weren't being given the time of day and mm -hmm. we gave it to them and we forced other people to listen. And again, dedication and love for the craft and the music, that's what it was all about. If you could make it to much music with a video and you had it and you got it to anybody, you, if you just dropped it off at the front door, we take a look at it and we would say, okay, now let's calculate this. He's going to be watching. She's going to be watching. Their parents are going to be watching. The whole neighborhood's going to be watching. We got to play it a few times just for them, if not for us to see, you know? And mm -hmm. by the time the radio would get excited about it, we had already gone into the second track. I mean, to be able to play seven to, you know, seven to eight minutes of Jane Sibbery, Mimi on the Beach. Wow. Right? <laughs> Not in this decade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we we gave you music and let you make your decisions about it. International Canadian. So I was able to introduce people to Frank Foster, great saxophone player, just gotten out of jail. Thela Ronson Kuti, Living Color, Tracy Chapman. The list goes on of Canadian and international artists who we introduced you to who became stars or were stars. And all of that, not just the Madonnas and the Princes and things like that, not just the megastars of the day. But when we started, Prince wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, basically all I did was what I do on radio. And they put a camera in front of me and like that. But I've been talking. You got questions. Give them to me. Come <laughs> on. Let me let me do what you want to do. man. Good segue into back when you started as part of being the original core group being put together. What were those first days like? You will see, I know this much, I can guarantee you this, you will see parts of my very first day at Much Music, so you will be able to experience some of that first day, and I can tell you what happened, I, I flew down from Montreal, walked into the office the next day, a place where I had been with the pointed sticks, uh, earlier, a couple of years earlier on, with a few years, a number of years, oh, like five, six years early on, um, with the pointy sticks. So I knew some of the people, but I definitely knew the place. So it wasn't familiar. I mean, it wasn't unfamiliar. I walked in, they mic'd me up, um, brought me a playlist of what I was going to be playing. I had some requirements, some things that I wanted. Uh, Run DMC was one of those things. I got that sent in from New York. Uh, Sade was a number of the, uh, another one of those things because I had the album a year before it came out from the UK and I had already been a big fan and I wanted some of that and a few other things and they got those things for me wonderfully I walked in and um, they showed me what I was doing and I was going to talk to Lou Reed and Run DMC my very first day first thing I'm not even there for 15-20 minutes half an hour I'm not there for long mic me up Run DMC had done them before the record was already a hit in Montreal. I'm in Toronto where they really didn't. It wasn't a hit there, but in Montreal, I had pasted the thing to the wall. It was almost damn near a gold record in Montreal alone. 
and I have been a fan and I have been playing rock box and other tracks off the album. So, and mm -hmm. hip hop was a regular part of our, our diet for me, like everyone else in Canada, wherever you grew up was ground zero hip hop for you. But I think Toronto and Montreal were pretty much so ground zero hip hop for a lot of people, but Montreal didn't know about Toronto. Toronto didn't know about Montreal. Nobody cared. Oh, it was what you were doing. And so that was, that was that. And uh, so they mic me up. I'm sitting down to do Run DMC. First thing, throw to a couple of videos, sit down to do Run DMC. All of them were there, which is great. If you're a rapper to me, you're a poet at best. Let's create a beat and you go off with a rhyme. And it's no longer hip hop. It's no longer rap. It's poetry. Let me make you like Langston Hughes. Let me lift you up to another level to where maybe you can work and see different attitudes and different views because you're not just a rapper. You're a poet because you're dealing with words and that makes you a wordsmith. So give them that platform. And I did. And they did. And it was great. After the interview, I get up. I see Lou Reed over there. He's in a very bad mood. One, because he's New York City. He's Lou Reed. And everything <laughs> he does has an attitude to it. Number two is uh, he had sort of a, uh, um, a spraying arm. It wasn't broken. It was spraying, but it was in a sling. Something had happened. And he had to do a show that evening. Mm -hmm. I look at Lou and I go, uh, hey, man, how you doing? He's not, you know, he, he didn't want to be there. So I, I get a little closer to him. I said, hey, how's Garland? Garland Jeffries, his best friend. And uh, he says, you know, Garland? I said, me and Garland are like this, man. And we're like, you know, like really we, we were and we still are. I'm in Garland Jeffries' new film, which is a, a biopic on him, a documentary. And he says, you know, Garland? I say, yeah, he kind of smiles. You know, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of smiles. And then I look and it's Run DMC over there, Lou Reed over here. I got the kings of rock, the MC hire, and I got the godfather of rock and roll from the Velvet Underground, the man who said, and the colored girls go, do-do-do, do-do-do, you know? Yeah. And so I go, yo, man, you know Run DMC? No, I don't know these guys. Run DMC, you guys know Lou Reed? No. I'm sorry. Brooklyn meet Queens, Queens meet Brooklyn, <laughs> New York City, New York City, right there. I got to do that. And that meant so much to me on the very first day of much music. For me, that was making history. So I'm cool. I'm good with everything that's on the screen that concerns me. That is mind blowing. Just the very yeah, first thing. Like and that kind of stuff, that was every day it was mind blowing. Every day, we most of us would have done our jobs without getting paid. And when you could see what we were paid, it was almost like that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like money and keeps you grounded, eh? But seriously. Well, they told us when I walked in, Nancy Oliver and John Martin said, we have three things. We have airtime, unlimited. We have cameras and camera people, anything you want. And mm -hmm. we have tape <laughs> to record it on. Write those three things. But money, no, you're, you know, <laughs> no, you're, you're on a, almost. I remember watching when I worked for Much Music, it was, and I was producing the Nylons record, Live to Love, with my partner, rest in peace, Brad Ralph, Bradley Damon, um, was the first time my power got cut off. <laughs> I'm producing a record, working at Much Music, and my power gets cut off, you know, just like university. So uh, that is, uh, we didn't make millions there. Somebody did. We didn't. 
but we loved what we did like we did. It was like we made millions. And the fact that we got to represent Canada in such an incredible way, not only in Canada, but around the world, in the mm -hmm. UK and every place. Soul in the City was uh, originally a radio show, never a TV show. Soul in the City is a very personal thing. It's something that I've worked on since I was a kid and had the dream of doing this, which is like we're talking about age five, six. OK, so it really was my dream. And Soul in the City was a show that I did in Montreal. It was a six hour radio show. It was a marathon. And every Saturday in Montreal, I did close to 12 to 13 hours of radio. Didn't feel it. Why? Because I loved it. And I love the art of radio. And I think a podcast is just a really good radio show without yeah. the music. <laughs> it really kind of is because you have information like a great radio show. So mm -hmm. how long have you been doing this thing? Three years, three and a half now. So it was always something that nostalgic. was born always in the 90s music nostalgia and it really grew out of the pandemic and went from there it gave me a focus and it's been a, such a wild ride bigger than i expected oh i'm sure so, yeah if you want to see if you want to see some interesting fun stuff we got early on the bus of not really the podcast but the live podcast broadcasting thing mm -hmm. go to tour bus tv on on facebook and you'll see about 90 shows that my partner and i gene greenwood did and they're a lot of fun and they're all live and stuff like that and that was the magic too of much music was that it was live tv yeah. it was great live tv and there's nothing better than live for me for sure you, you had a fair amount of freedom i had that complete, that's the only way i work yeah <laughs> is with is with complete and utter freedom i can work in the confines of what you're doing um to start and once I've mastered that, I'm always looking for my freedom and creativity within the confines of the box that I've been confined in. And I've always found it, thank God. <laughs> well, like you said, shows like Soul Soul in the City, which was a big project from your heart, and shows like Rhapsody oh, yeah. made you very oh, instrumental yes. to delivering the culture to the rest of this country. Um, yes. Is, uh, go ahead. No, presenting these genres as they were birthed in, in this country, you know, what did that uh, mean to you to be the face of these new music well, styles? It, uh, I mean, it's just me. It's just hip hop has always been part of my world. Charles Ahern, who uh, did the film Wild Style, is a very good friend. I did the premiere of that film in Montreal. And the premiere of that film, it was at the Toronto Film Festival, and I had the second premiere in Montreal. We were killing the record. We were pacing it against the wall, stoop rap, all that stuff. This, so I was bringing the culture from, and I was in touch with everybody from New York. And they, you know, we were going to bring a bunch of people up from New York for a show called Breakdance 84, which an extent was an extension of Club 980, Soul in the City. And it was a show that I designed, and it was the largest a hip hop event in Canada ever at that time. We mm -hmm. sold out uh, one show and had to do 13 more. And it was all with local artists. The only international artist that showed up was a friend of our DJ Butcher T. And um, his name was DST, the Grand Mixer DST, who had done Rocket by Herbie Hancock at that time. Everybody else was local. And the one thing I learned in New York was that if you can't make money, make history so always was i was uh i was always into making history and and representing the any culture and every culture and hip-hop culture 
black culture, heavy metal culture was always just natural for me. You know, I mean, my first bands, we played Vehicle by the Ides of March and everything by Black Sabbath, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, because we could. And so it was uh, Neil Young. We all knew Down by the River by Neil Young and then by Buddy Miles, too, which is a great cross-cultural exercise if you listen to those two songs. Mm -hmm. And I've interviewed Neil Young and talked to him. Neil Young used to play with Rick James and the Minor Birds. So, you know, um, mm -hmm. it was incumbent upon us to do what radio, television, and media had not done up to that point, which was to... Um, be cross-cultural and mm -hmm. to talk to everybody you know and uh and that was very important and it was very important to me i mean that's just me you know that is me if you're if you come to my house my record collection you say guitars over there drums over there blah 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 blah, blah all of yeah. that stuff and my dream is i you know i've uh, finished a symphonic piece i worked on Alegria. The first thing that I worked on when I left Much Music was Cirque du Soleil Alegria. And I was a contractor for that. I was working on a session for uh, a project that I wanted to do with Dutch Robinson, who lives in Vancouver now, was in Montreal, one of the greatest male singers ever and songwriters ever out of uh, Montreal. And he, I wanted to do a, a catalog of Black musical expression and male vocals. And hang on a second. Let me just. How do I get rid of this? Hold on one second. I'm just getting rid of this thing so that it never does it again because it's just telling me that you're here. Uh, okay, where to go? Well, there you are. All right, good. Hey, everything worked. Whoa, Sweet. that's and I don't even have a five-year-old with me. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to do that, and that's what I did. And they heard what we were working on with my producer, Robbie Finkel, and my voices on this several times. And actually, I'm about to do three more pieces on it just to finish that they're my pieces and and this thing is it's an old project but it's a symphonic project and you know i i want to work with an you know i'm gonna work with orchestras and i have worked with orchestras and stuff like that i don't dream small uh you know mm. i don't dream so there's no use in that and so where you don't expect me you might expect to see me but you know rock and roll was always part of my life and i'm not sure when rock and roll became non-black but you know, rock and roll is rock and roll to me. So whether it's Motorhead or Living Color, I'm there I'm having fun, you know. Yeah. So yeah. There, was, there was a lot of that because a lot of black folks, did, oh, well, you know, you you left us for rock and roll. Jeez, you know, don't. And it was kind of like, no, OK, we got to do that lesson, too. Huh? OK, let's go. <laughs> and wow. so I have. I have been honored to be like a musical teacher, a little bit of a professor and all of that for three, at least three generations, almost four generations of Canadian Canadians leading into the stuff that I've been doing, like Tina Turner and, you know, French died and all that stuff. I get calls from CTV um, and it was always uh, um, an honor to uh, to inform people uh, and to have correct good information as well so i wow. appreciate those calls and that's that's very important because you don't get a lot now of really great information that's why i like oh. podcasts because at least there is some research there into what people are saying and it's just not willy-nilly what they feel and i really uh, dislike opinion journalism i like journalism that is researched and mm -hmm. worked on and uh and then delivered with uh with some sort of authority because integrity. They have, 
integrity and authority, yeah. not just in their delivery, but in the knowledge that they are delivering. I, I agree with that completely. And just the fact that you were involved in so many different genres and the presentation of those is something that's really special. After these messages, we'll be right back. Dope Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind-the-scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please, join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Throw on your Jinkos, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. Welcome to the place to be, protected by the black, the red, and the green, the universal colors of my culture, if you know what I mean. Uh, one of the things we're going to try and do in this show is to give you an overall view of what happened in 1991, some of the important things and some of the things that could affect your life if you're a rap music fan, if you're a music fan, if you're a human being, this is the place to be. Um, one thing that uh, you might look for in your neighborhood is accurate information on rap music. It's difficult to get this. Uh, because it is difficult to get this, a lot of bookstores, magazine and import magazine emporiums across the country, record stores even, are importing a magazine called Source Magazine. Source Magazine is now available and their 91 review is amazing. This should be in your collection. When you're doing interviews all these years, what was an interview, obviously the first one, but an interview that meant a lot to you that still stands out in your mind? You know, really, I love, you know, as they say, when daddy goes to work, daddy loves his work. <laughs> you know, all of it. And uh, there was no one, uh, well, there was no one that I didn't like or couldn't wait to get rid of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there were two people that sort of like, you know, they were kind of like this is about me or whatever, but I was kind of still excited about other members of the band or whatever, you know, somebody will fall off, somebody else will come in. But uh, for me, two of my favorites, Robert Plant, absolutely. We had the best time on the Manic Nirvana tour uh, in New York, Robert Plant. Then I got to interview Ahmed Erdogan, the man who signed Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles. And he gushed on my interview with Robert and the both of them called up uh, Stan Kulin, who was the president, I believe, of Warner's Canada in the middle of the night and kind of gushed about me as well. And that was uh, that was such an honor and a privilege. And Ahmed gave me his card and said, anything, you know, mm. anything. And Robert Plant, we, we would, you know, check each other on the road and stuff like that. And just a gentleman. And I love the way that he never stops. He's always looking for that lost chord, like the Moody Blues said. He's always looking for that slice of Americana that he loved when he was a kid that he that can help him improve what he's doing. And like me, 
in music, when I play music or produce music, I want to, I want the creators of that music, the originators of that music, I want to do them proud and I want to be respectful when they hear what I've done with their music and say, not only do you respect us, but you understand it. And yes, you got there, you know, respectfully. And we appreciate what you've done because, you know, you kind of got it right. Robert Plant is that kind of guy, too. And I really dig dig that like unreal the next one robert uh robert palmer perfect oh, wow. I mean, just we sang back and forth too i'm singing with robert palmer and i'm dressed for the occasion in a paul <laughs> solari a green paul solari suit with a vest that was that was i still have the suit uh you know and that was just that was a joy and a pleasure stanley clark was incredible Quincy Jones so many times and he's like my dad um living wow. color their family and once I came early on in much music the first time I came to Vancouver I set up in Katie Lang's office and all the bands I knew from Quintessence and Zulu I invited about every band I knew about 30 bands into the office and I just interviewed them one at a time one at a time. And I interviewed everybody from skinny puppy. I think the only person I may not have hit at that time was Sarah McLaughlin, but I had done her at much music, but everybody from skinny puppy pointed sticks, DOA, young Canadians, Doug and the slugs, uh, the dish rags, uh, the payolas. Um, maybe I didn't do Jerry Doucette and I'm a big fan of the late Jerry Doucette, you know? Uh, but everyone, I mean, I just want people to, uh, understand and enjoy and love Canadian music and the artists that do it. And that was a big part of our mandate. And that was so much. I love the fact that you guys helped support the Canadian music industry in, in that way, not just because it was a CanCon ruling, but because you wanted to. <laughs> Beyond the point of it's a CanCon ruling, because I think even in radio, I would go out and hunt for demos occasionally. Like the reason why I wound up going into studios because somebody needed something to be mixed, you know. Yeah. And I said, "Well, let me do a shot for it." And the band was ChuCon, and what I mixed were their demos for Star Search, which sort of started them because they won Star Search. Later on, Cat Dyson went on to play with Prince for you know. 12 years or something like that and these were people that i knew and worked with closely and a lot of those musicians did did quite well um so on my radio show i would play demos and things like that so i would bring groups in like that like the philosopher kings they got their record oh, deal yeah. because i brought them in with my friend vinks and um they did basically a demo but they did about five songs and we taped it and stuff like that and i didn't even know they were going to use that as a demo to get a record deal but it got them the record deal maestro fresh rest i got him his american record deal there was a lot of that stuff going on and there was a lot of friendship and a lot of love and a lot of respect for a lot of years now that unfortunately bob segarini and i have to mention the great wonderful incredible bob segarini i don't know if he makes it to the film i hope maybe and i think this film can be cut and recut and done again you know there is so much stuff that's there uh mm. bob segarini when i first walked into much music i must tell you this now i run dmc lou reed going on air the first person to talk to me and understood what i wanted to do from jump just by looking at me was from the Wackers in L.A. originally, a Canadian, then he became a Canadian original, 
great songwriter, wonderful human being. He was the spirit and heart of rock and roll and much music for sure. He cut all the BS out of the way, was Bob, the late great, and he only died yesterday or today, the late great Bob Segarini, and uh, he was wonderful. He was such a big part of much music, as was John Martin and Nancy Oliver. John Martin started the place. It was an idea he had called the new music and an outgrowth of the new music. That's how much music predates MTV, that we were working with music television back at Chuck, the security guard. And then the new music all came out of the mind and heart of John Martin and the love of music for what was going on in Toronto, be it punk or be it reggae or be it funk or whatever. They didn't care if it was black, white, or strange. Radio kind of did and still does, but they didn't care. It was music, okay, and they used to say city TV everywhere. If your granny was having a 100th birthday and you called her and said, my grandma's having a 100th birthday on Saturday, they'd be there. Shoot your grandma and say, hey, granny, how you doing? Happy 100th birthday. So if you had music going on in your neighborhood, come on, who lives in the neighborhood? I don't know, Oscar Peterson, Rush, Murray McLaughlin, all these, Bruce Colburn, all these guys, they were all welcome to come in whenever they wanted. Any Canadian artist, as long as you made it to much music, whether you had a video or not, you had a video was great because that was our stock and trade. If you didn't have a video, I'd make you play. Mm -hmm. You was know? that the norm for people to just drop in on, on an Absolutely. I yeah. had a young lady, I had a young lady who was, uh, was had had md and she was autistic she had a whole bunch of problems and stuff like that she was a great fan of mine and so they brought her from sunnybrook hospital to much music hmm. and she was so funny and i loved her so much she would escape sunnybrook hospital and they'd be calling me going where is she she would escape sunnybrook hospital and i told her anytime you're here you can sit at my desk she'd be sitting at my desk damn it you know, <laughs> you know and first so place to look <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yes, they would stop in. And mm. that was a, a really wonderful thing that they could and they did. And, um, you know, so as a matter of fact, after I was no longer at Much Music, Ziggy Marley, Queen, uh, um, Roger Taylor and Brian May uh, and a few other bands like were, would come in and look for me. Right. And and stuff like that. So uh, I'm working on a book, which will be my life in music, not just much. And uh, there's a record that goes with the book. The record is done. The record is finished. The book is not finished, but I'm hoping to go out on this 13 day tour and uh, record some material with audiences and stuff like that and take some of their memories of my work on much to put on the book and pictures. I just hosted the festival here at Catsilano. I did another one in Slocan about a month ago. I'm looking at doing one in Calso. Uh, so, you know, and Edmonton, look, I'm ready for the world again. My son is uh, 23 going on 24. He's working and doing great work, artistic work himself. So dad can get back to work. And I think finish what I started because I don't think I finished what I started at, at much music. So it's time to finish that now and to be very happy with it. And I'm, I'm just over the moon about the film for Sean and everybody else that's in it. And special thanks to Erica because she called me and said, you want to be in a film? No, <laughs> but I'll talk to them. Maybe I'll talk to them, you know? So yeah. like that. And Sean was wonderful. Um, and from what I can see from the trailer, and I don't want to see any more than the trailer, um, I think I might be happy. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And for those people that 
miss much music, come to the film, say hello, going to be there. There might be a few surprises. Uh, I want to do an after party, you know, that lasts till six in the morning. I don't know if they'll let me do oh. that, but I'm working. I'm working. I'll, on I'll help you with that. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I want to see, so I was just in Vancouver. I saw some amazing bands. So I want to see some bands from Edmonton. You mm. know, I want to see some, some great new bands from wherever we are. Cause that's what we did. We introduced you to great new Canadian music and we also mm. gave them an outlet. So I'd like to do that one more time. And I have an idea about doing that, but if I talk about it, it'll just go to, the year but trust me it's uh Let's it's it uh has, well i was just in vancouver and somebody can, just to close off with you uh these guys came up to me and they said we used to have a saying when we watch you on saturday what's that and they said somebody said cool and they would all go but is it michael williams cool <laughs> and so you know Love and that. so as they say back home whatever i do is going to be funky and it's going to be rock and roll. And yes, it will be Michael Williams. Cool. I've been waiting a long time to do this, so it's going to be cool. And you'll see me out next year. We'll be out with, I'll be out with living color. And we're oh, trying to do some dates across Canada. We're trying to go out, you know, together and stuff like that. And I think it'll work out probably for next summer. So I know we're they're out on, on the road that. with extreme right now, which is they're out on the road with extreme. We may but bring extreme with yet. us. I yes. would I would love to go out with I would love to go out with Jane's addiction, yes. you know, or porno for Pyros. But I would really like to go out and have local Canadian bands as one of the openers. And uh because every band I saw, the band, my real I mean, uh Charlotte Wolf in mm -hmm. Slow Can, also um another band. Uh, from Terrence was just killing it and it's nice to see young bands again and that was a big legacy of much music was breaking new Canadian talent when radio had no interest in it so exactly. you know one more time we're gonna roll and when we roll um, you know it should last a while I know my role is gonna last a while so I will not be slowing my role Edmonton I'm coming for you one way or another we're gonna get this done and closing things off, <clears throat> I felt like as a teen turning on the TV and tuning in so much and your show and everyone that I was a welcome to be a part of your lives. Um, there was a lack of a barrier there that you didn't have watching any other thing on the tube. So that meant yeah. a lot to me and it raised me. So I mm -hmm. want to thank you for that. And I look forward to seeing you in Edmonton very soon. Yeah, I it's been a long man when i was in edmonton there weren't there there was a lot of things that are there now that weren't there i oh, have yeah. been to the west edmonton mall just once <laughs> that's <laughs> where I we try to avoid but yeah 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 i think i stayed at a hotel there and there was a pub downstairs which was like pub culture and that was kind of cool mm -hmm. uh and uh, i haven't been in edmonton in a long time except to change planes for ah. vancouver or slow can you know uh so i'm really looking forward to it and and uh, to all the fans out there, I can't thank you enough, really. And I hope this film does justice to what you saw and that you have some good memories with it and some good fun with this, with it as well. And um, there may be, a, you know, and I think there might be a soundtrack coming for iTunes or something, or at least okay. a group of tunes that will remind you of what we did. Uh, and I'm interested in finding your music too. I'd like to share my your music. music well. well, I have a, I have a, what is a, the, the ever increasing box set. Uh, 
The single, put it like this. This is, you know, this is me, typical me. The single, it's only 17 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a oh, real yes. symphony on it. There's only real instruments on this and real voices. There is no MIDI. There is no electronics that way or anything mm. like that. Real drums, real guitar. And when you hear those strings, that is part of the Montreal Symphony Orchestra. So I'm uh, I'm very excited. To, I played it for Harry, the original bassist for Trooper. And he says, why are you holding on to this? I said, because the industry wasn't exactly kind to things like this. You know, um, and I wanted a better environment for my music. And also, I control and own everything. Mm. So I don't parse it out. And I don't give my work to be manhandled by anybody. I want to just give it to the audience or sell it to the audience or get it to the audience somehow. Uh, the latest thing I did was... Um, I did a track, two tracks with an artist named Willie Williams. He has a song called Armageddon Time, and he has a video out for that now. A hundred years later, the track was originally done in the early 70s, and The Clash recorded it because of film director Don Letts was uh, a reggae DJ in all the skinhead and punk clubs, and The Clash heard it. And the song is, a lot of people won't get no supper tonight. A lot of people won't get no supper tonight. You know, it's a time, it's Armageddon time. And that song is one of the foundational reggae songs. Everybody thinks that Bob Marley did it when it was Jackie Mattu, who was also Canadian in the end of the day, and Willie Williams, who was also Canadian. Uh, we did a song called, we did two songs, one called Stepping, which is the instrumental, and the other one is called One More. And uh, the tracks go together, and it features Sly and Robbie, and um, Sly uh, Dunbar and Robbie Shakespeare, and uh, Sly is still around. Robbie, unfortunately, is not. But this is one of his last recordings. And oh. on trumpet is Herb Alpert. So which is kind of a big deal for uh, for me. Absolutely. He did us the honor and privilege of playing on the track. So I'm really excited for people to hear that as well. So we'll get you the music for sure. I'll have you send your yeah. copies. If you, you know, are you doing radio out there or just podcast? Just podcasting. Yeah. Maybe you got to get a you got to get a radio job because some of those people I've heard on radio you there's work for you <laughs> if you hey, want it I'll take I that think. as a huge compliment thank you Michael no problem <laughs> you you and you get busy with that because you know some of the stuff I've heard is not as good as what if what you've done and uh, congratulations yeah. to that and thank you for the time that means everything thank you Michael and I want you to enjoy no the rest of your trip and you know thank thanks you for taking I'm this going time. to. Hey, I'm having my birthday out here. I don't know what I'm doing. And it's kind of a walkabout. <laughs> what are you doing today? I'm not sure what I'm doing today, but it's going to be good. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to do it out here. And I always think about moving out west, too, you know. So I'm, I, you know, BC is just an amazing place. And I'm at Horseshoe Bay now, getting ready to go on the ferry over okay. to Nanaimo to take my drum lessons. So you take good. Thank you again. And, uh, you know, you come by and say hi when I'm in Edmonton. I'd, I'd appreciate that. And do if that. I don't make if I don't make it to the with the film, I'll be expecting you to be the tour guide and show me what I need to know in Edmonton. And I'll start the after party. <laughs> well, the after party will be wild. The after party will be will be a lot of I DJ the parties. I always exactly. DJ the parties, either DJ or play with the band or both. Wonderful. Yeah, hey, I will you definitely take see you then. 
You too. All right, enjoy then. your vacation. Thank you very much. Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, dope underscore nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.